Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 129 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 4th, 2010. It's kind of like Christmas for a lot of people. I know it's not signing day, but it is the first day of USC fall football camp. So we get to talk a little bit about football. I know we've talked a lot about sanctions and coaching changes or athletic directors, all that kind of stuff. Now we can actually talk about football. So it's going to be fun enjoying this podcast. We've got a lot going on. We're going to talk to Dan Weber. We're going to talk to Brian Fisher. We've got Harvey Hyde coming up in the first segment. If you have any questions or comments, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or, and this is brand new, I just set this up this morning, you can leave us a voicemail. Give us a call. The number is 206-888-6755. It is a Washington State number. There's a free voicemail service we've set up through them and you can call 206-888-6755 and leave your voicemail question and then we can play it on the podcast and answer it uh, as we listen to it so if you want to leave us a call that is a long distance number if you're not in that area but a lot of people have free long distance on their cell phones and things like that so hopefully that's not a problem again it's 206-888-6755 try it out leave us a voicemail and we will retrieve the voicemail play it on the podcast and answer it but like we talked about, Coach Harvey Hyde, we want to talk to in the first segment. A lot going on with fall camp, Pac-10 Media Day from last week. Coach, how you doing? You excited? I'm excited about that new telephone number. Yeah, uh, neat, huh? I, I really would like to hear from the people and hear them, you know, uh, ask questions and so on. And that's a heck of a deal, uh, Ryan. So please take advantage of it, people out there, and uh, give us a call during the football season, and we'll try to do our best to answer or give you at least our opinion on uh, what you're asking. So I think that's great. Yeah, I'm ready to go. And it was great seeing you and Michelle and the group over at uh, Media Day last Thursday in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I'll give a shout out to the, the, the folks over at the Solid Verbal, Ty and Dan. Uh, they, they let me know about that. They do a real cool uh, uh, national podcast for college football. And I'll be on there. I'm coming on there sometimes later this month. But we had Dan Rubenstein on last week on the podcast. He got to talk about a lot of college football stuff. But then I, I've when I was listening to their podcast, they had this free telephone number to call. So I thought that'd be a really cool feature. And they showed me how to do it. It took me about five seconds to hook it up. So it's a cool thing. You can call there. You know, again, you just have to call that number, leave a voicemail. We'll get it through our email. We'll get that voicemail as a digital file. We can play it right on the podcast and you can listen to it. And uh, everyone else can listen to it as well. So we, we've done a little bit, coach. We've had people send in wave files, but then they have to record it themselves. This way you just pick up the phone, leave us a message, we can play it, listen to it, and talk about it on the podcast. It should be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun getting the season going. And, of course, it is an exciting day for the players and coaches as they take the field at all the different universities throughout the country. USC a couple of days earlier, obviously, because they play September 2nd. Most universities open up September 4th, some on the 11th. But uh, it's great to get a good start and get out there and get ready for a great season. And that will more or less take the focus off of all the off season, I think, as everybody gets ready for college football and USC's new leadership and staff with Coach Lane Kiffin, and I think it's going to be really exciting. 
All right. Well, I just want to thank our sponsor, Coach Southern California Tickets, SCTickets.com, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for concerts, sporting events, theater, of course, USC football, you can get tickets through there. Dodgers and Angels are kind of both going to the tank, but you can still get tickets for those guys. Maybe they'll make a late run and make the playoffs. Who knows? But check out SCTickets.com. They've been real nice to us. And, you know, be nice to them. Give them some business. If you need to get some tickets out there, it's a real great service. And, uh, Coach, I guess we could start off by talking about Pac-10 Media Day a little bit. You mentioned that. We got to see you down there. We had our whole crew down there at Pac-10 Media Day at the Rose Bowl. Very different. I mean, Larry Scott, if he's done anything, he's changed things up. And uh, this was an outdoor event. Uh, I don't think some of the media members were ready for that. We were, you know, they had, they had a lot of sunscreen available, though, so that was nice. It was a really hot day in the afternoon up in Pasadena. Hard time seeing the computer screen sometimes, but they handed out towels. They handed out sunscreen, like I said, plenty of liquids on hand. So it was, a, it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a neat thing. Maybe a bigger tent over the uh, the media area where people are trying to work on their computers would be good for next year. But what do you think about Pac-10 Media Day? Well, first of all, I think it was held at the place it should be held at, uh, not in a hotel or down by LAX, but at the Rose Bowl, because all the teams that are there and the players and so on and athletic directors and everyone, all the different bowl games that are there, they come there because the conference champion, if they're not the national champion or playing for the national championship game, that's where they're coming to. It's all going to be the Rose Bowl, January the 1st. So I think it's a, a great uh, venue to have it at. I think it was set up beautifully on the field. I agree with you 100% as far as it was was a warm day. It could have been hotter, but water was everywhere, and they did try to do their best. I've already spoke with the Rose Bowl and the Pac-10, and I've made suggestions to them on the covering of the media area and maybe having the lunch inside in the locker rooms or in the Hall of Fame area where it's cooler. And, uh, see, I was a part of getting that to come over to the Rose Bowl. I don't know if you know that or not, Ryan. I did not know. That's cool, Coach. I had no idea. Yeah, and uh, I also talked to them about, you know, a couple of things that they should do. To, you know, every year you try to get a little bit better and better in what you're doing, and I think that the different bowl games that were there and bowl games that were represented, of course, was the Rose Bowl people that were there, the Alamo Bowl was there, the Holiday Bowl was there, the Craft Bowl was there, all these different bowls were there, Las Vegas Bowl, that they should possibly introduce them because they do host a team from the Pac-10 every year. And I also mentioned that I really think next year they ought to have about a five- or ten-minute segment where a Pac-10 official gets up there and talks about the rule changes so we all understand the new rule changes for this coming football season. So the media understands it. uh, Sports information directors understand it. uh, I want to hear a clear definition of exactly what's been passed and so on so we can pass on to all of our listeners exactly what that referee said because there has been some changes again. And I think it'd be great if someone out there, up there uh, at the Pac-10 Media Day would go over those things for all of the media and people to understand. So uh, there's always things that we can improve on, or the Pac-10 and the Big Ten and all of these different conferences when they have their media day can improve on. And, and I think that it was a great site. I think it was, yes, it was warm, but if they corrected with a tent over there, over it and so on to keep everyone cool and do the following things, I think it would be something they do yearly. Yeah, it'd be great, Coach. And, they, you know, they also went to New York. So it was still kind of a three-quarter day, you know, not quite half a day. They did a little bit longer event there at the Rose Bowl. They also did their event in New York, and they did a media tour there. And some of the, you know, the quarterbacks get the, from the Pac-10 got to go out and go through the whole ESPN car wash. You'll get more exposure that way. So I think that was a plus. 
I would like to see maybe the event a little bit longer or a golf tournament or some kind of event, maybe a dinner. I mean, something that's afterwards where people can mingle a little bit more. I mean, do you think they'll expand to something like that? This kind of baby steps or what, how do you think it'll go coach? No, I think they will. You know, they did have a dinner that night down at the Fox studios. I don't know if you know that or not. Some people were invited down there and they had all the coaches and players down there along with uh, dignitaries, you know, athletic directors and, and tournament of roses people and so on down at the Fox studios for uh, a dinner that night. But I do think it'll slowly develop into what will be a, major, major media day or media days for the Pac-10. I had an opportunity to talk to most of the coaches and a lot of the players, and I asked them about uh, what they thought about their trip and so on back to the East Coast, and most of them were pretty fired up about it. Most of them really enjoyed it, uh, seeing things they hadn't seen. A lot of the coaches have never been to Bristol and, and know exactly how they do all that and so on. Dennis Erickson, Erickson even said one of the broadcasters, I forgot his name, you might have heard him say this, uh, played for him at one time at Miami, and so they, he oh. had a chance to I think it was to meet Mark, him. And, I think huh? it was Mark Schlereth, and he played for him at Idaho, I believe. That was Idaho? The, was yeah. it Idaho? Yeah. I think Mark Schlereth, the, uh, he was like, he won some Super Bowls with the Redskins and the Broncos, and he does mm-hmm. there a lot of their NFL stuff. So I believe it was him. I, I could be wrong, though. No, I think you're right. And uh, so it was great talking to them about all that stuff and, you know, uh, being able to uh, see Jeff Tedford and Rick Neuheisel and had a nice talk with Lane Kiffin, my first chance of meeting him. So I certainly enjoyed that very much. So it was a great day. And Bill Moose now back as the athletic director at Washington State. I didn't even know he was back at Washington State. So I'm glad uh, he had that opportunity to get back into being a great athletic director, which he is. So it was just a great day. What do you, what do you say? Uh, you see everybody at weddings and funerals. Well, you, you see everybody <laughs> at media day. So it was just great. That was cool. How was the conversation with Kiffin? I mean, did he uh, was he familiar with some of your work? I mean, you obviously do this podcast, but you do a lot of uh, you know work for the for USC on uh, the official USC station seven ten ESPN here in LA. No, he wasn't aware of that. In fact, we didn't even get into that. I never basically told him. Uh, anything about who I was. I just went up to him, and he was with a gentleman uh, talking. I said, excuse me, uh, Coach, I'd just like to introduce myself and tell you what a great job I think you've done. You came here and had one of the most negative press conferences. No one welcomed you the way you should have been welcomed to Los Angeles as the head coach at USC. You've gone through all the controversy. I said, you've hired yourself a great coaching staff, now especially finishing off with Kenny Pola. I said, you've had a great recruiting year. You've held his troops together. Sure, uh, there's been some players that have left, but uh, as he mentioned it even in the press conference, it's been like free agency with the juniors and seniors at USC. And I said, I just want to say I think you've done one heck of a job. And uh, this gentleman uh, that was standing there interviewing him uh, was T.J. Simers. So T.J. jumped in and had to throw his two cents in there. So I had to jump back and throw my two cents into T.J. Simers and and uh, basically, we debated for a moment, and uh, <laughs> that was that. But I don't think Lane will forget who I am, the way I jumped in and supported him against TJ. <laughs> if you remember, if you remember, TJ wrote a column the next day saying I like Lane Kiffin. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. He was actually fairly positive. Uh huh. You're, you're right. He was he was fairly positive, and uh, so I had a chance to jump in there, and we debated about what he's done so far. And TJ says he hasn't won a game. And I told TJ he hadn't played a game. 
and uh, we went back and forth a little bit, but uh, we ended up uh, shaking hands and saying, uh, congratulations, it's your opinion and my opinion. We moved on, but I don't think Kiffin will forget that either. Well, Tim Tim was standing there too, and he said, wow. But uh, it was good. I was just giving someone my opinion on what he's done during the offseason. We weren't talking about coaching or winning or losing. I was just saying I think he's held his ship together uh, during this period of time, and I think he's put a great staff together, and he's done a great job of recruiting and uh, during these times. And, and that's all I was trying to uh, bring up to him by congratulating him. And, and, you know, I didn't have any other thing to talk to him about. Nice. Well, Tim Tesselon, for people, if you don't know, he's the sports information director for USC, kind of the media relations person. And uh, coach, you're making uh, you're making news everywhere. You you get the Pac-10 to move the media day to the Rose Bowl because of what you you wished that happened. Then you talk to T.J. Simers. He turns a negative column into a positive column. You're making things happen, coach. You're out there making news. Well, I'm not trying to make any news. I just that you know. Uh, I, I enjoy what I do, and I do love the game of football. And I just say on this podcast, as I do on our shows and everything else that I do, pregame and postgame Trojan brunch, and so on, I just give you my opinion. And sometimes I am negative against the Trojans. Sometimes I say things that probably people don't like and, and play calling or game situations or whatever. But remember, uh, I, I'm not, I try not to be a homer. I'm not a homer. I'm a guy that wants to tell you guys what you want to hear. And I'm not afraid to say what I feel, and I think that's what people like. They want to know, Coach, what do you think about this? And I say, this is what I think about it, and they agree or they don't agree, but it's just my opinion. After coaching for 25 years, I've been through a lot of the things that these coaches have been through and so on. I've dealt with media. Now on both sides, as far as a coach having to answer questions and now as a as a person who's doing what I'm doing as far as being asked questions, again, and, and explaining the feelings of of a coach or a player or a parent or a university or athletic director or whatever. So I've been on both sides of it. And I think I'm real fortunate to be able to have that experience. So I'm able to really get a feeling of the media side, which I know that's where they make their living as far as reporting stories and on the coach's side where I know they're there to support their team and tell you what they think. And at that moment when they have 30 seconds to make a decision on a play call, this is what we went with, and it didn't work. And uh, a lot of times, you remember, they never asked you about, Coach, why did you call that play that went well? It's always, Coach, what happened, or why did that guy fumble, or what was the call when the uh, pass was intercepted, or why did you throw instead of running it in? And so you're, you're more or less a lot of times when you're a coach on the defensive, or you're rather than just relaxing and being able to, you know, take questions and, and feel relaxed. You're really not relaxed because you have to be very careful on what you say and how you say everything as far as when you're being interviewed as a coach. All right, coach. Well, the last thing I want to talk about, we did, we need to talk about some football here. And yesterday for everyone doesn't know, Tuesday, August 3rd was move in day. Players moved into floor tower for fall camp, which is one of the, uh, kind of apartment style dorms on campus over near the uh, Lions Saturday Athletics Center, not that far from Howard Jones Field. You can see Floor Tower from Howard Jones Field, so it's pretty close for the players to go over there. They moved in yesterday, uh, Wednesday morning at around 10 o'clock. They had a walkthrough uh, on on Howard Jones Field where they just kind of walked through kind of what they're going to be doing. And then this afternoon, there was two reports. One report was 3, one was 4.30. I believe the practice is at 4.30 today. Um, 
unfortunately, it, you know, only members of the media and immediate family are going to be allowed in practice while USC is on probation. We'll see if that changes, but it's kind of an unfortunate practice policy. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But they start up today. Uh, the first few days will be without pads. Then they'll start getting into some padded practices, and they'll do two-a-days, and it'll get a lot. And it should be a lot of fun, a lot of position battles. You can see the true freshmen in, you know, we've saw them in shoulder, I mean, uh, in shorts and T-shirts this summer. Now we get to see them in full uniforms, pads, helmets, all that kind of stuff. So the true freshmen coming in, I think there there'll be some high expectations for them, not just for this year, but the next couple of years, especially with limited scholarship numbers and USC's lack of depth right now. So I think that freshman class is going to be important. But Coach, I wanted to see what you kind of were most looking forward to, what you want to see when you go down to fall camp and and check this team out. What are you looking for going into this 2010 season? Well, you know, uh, basically I'm I'm looking and I'm sure the coaches are going to be protecting against injuries. You you really can't have many injuries, especially in the offensive line. I I've got after looking through the roster and so on, I've got about eight players there that are quality good players that the Trojans can win with that are in the offensive line. So you certainly got to be very careful in your drills, group drills, dr- group drills especially. You don't see many players getting hurt on one-on-ones and pass blocking and man blocking and so on, but just in those two-on-twos and, and scrimmages and so on, people fall into your knees and so on. So you've got to be very careful with injuries this fall camp, but you've got to hit. You still have to hit because you don't learn how to play the game of football, and it's just scrimmage, and you play it at full speed. But I don't think you'll see as much scrimmaging and, and full-speed uh, group drills as you've seen in the past. I think you'll want your team lean and mean and hungry and ready to hit on Saturday and make it a bold type of opportunity every week. Uh, uh, but you still have to get ready to play. You have to really get a good look at the players uh, as far as who you might want to redshirt. And it's going to be very difficult because most great players don't want to redshirt because it takes away a year from them as far as coming out and being able to go to the NFL if they want to go to the NFL. But you do have to have a period of evaluating your players and deciding who are the players that you're going to play and who are the players you're going to try to redshirt and and discuss that with the players and the reasons why and so on and the playing time they'll get in the future if they do redshirt because of the lack of scholarships. I also uh, wanted to count up that right currently now there's 71 people on scholarship at USC, but I also looked it up. They have 30 walk-ons. That'll be uh, at their uh, on their roster going to camp, and I think that's great because you still have 100 players. And believe me, walk-on players at USC are not players that can't play. They are players that they will get a lot of use out of as far as on the scout team. Some might even be able to make the roster and play on special teams and so on. But uh, you've got to be able to utilize your scout team and walk-on players to get you ready to play in different drills and so on so you don't wear down and injure, in some cases, some of your better players. So I think the walk-on athletes are going to play a big part of the camp this year. Uh, and I think areas that are of concern to me is they work very little in the spring on special teams, very little. So I think that you're going to see a lot of special teams work with John Baxter in the fall, especially in camp, as far as group drills, kickoffs, punts, punt returns, all of these type of drills, but Ryan, you know, and I know in the spring, they did very little work in, in the kicking game. So I think they're going to spend a lot of time on this kicking game and uh, try to bring that up to par and stay at the same level of the defense and the offense. So uh, I think the timing on the offense is going to be something that's going to take a little bit more time. 
I think the defense will be ahead of the offense, so I really want to see just how quickly and how much offense they throw at this at these kids early in camp. They do play early September the 2nd in Hawaii. I think it's a great opening game for them. And, uh, and, and, and I just, the main thing I'm concerned with is injuries. You just can't have the injuries and you got to really evaluate the players well. And I think that's what we're all going to be looking for. I think when you go to practice, uh, you're going to look and compare the incoming freshmen and the incoming players with the players that are there and be able to see just what quality of players these really are in the, in the spring. There's no question that Baxter and and uh, Prater are great players. I mean, Prater reminds me of, of a junior, the way he practices and hits people and so on. And Baxter has some great moves and balance, too, that I think he's going to be a tremendous asset, both of these players, as freshmen uh, with the USC program. Yet they do have great receivers at USC, Ryan. They, you know, the, the cupboards aren't bare. They've got great receivers, and they've got some great tight ends. I mean, when I look at the tight end position, they got, they got, they got uh, uh, you know, they got seven kids that could play. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see Grimble go down to a tackle. He's so a, such a big and great athlete. He can block to utilize some depth there. But it's going to be a great fall camp, and, and uh, you know, you just can't get anybody hurt. That's the number one thing. That's a good point, Coach. I, I think the one thing that I didn't even think about till you mentioned that was on special te- special teams. We haven't seen much of that kicking game. John Baxter comes in with a lot of accolades, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has to do. I mean, I you know it's it'll be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of young guys playing, and uh, you know they're going to be thin uh, at certain positions, and we'll have to see how that all plays out. If they're you know get some new walk-ons, I think they need some more walk-on linemen if they can. But there are a lot of walk-ons on this team. I was going through the roster. We've updated it all on uscfootball.com, so everybody, all the numbers should be right. They'll probably change some walk-on numbers this first week of practice or so, and some walk-ons might drop off, and they might pick up some new ones. So we'll we'll pay a lot more attention to that now because I think they will be they will play an important role, like Coach said. But Coach, it was a great segment as always. You're over on Catalina yet again. When are you coming back? Uh, I'm going to uh, spend a little bit more time here because I'm still training, getting ready for uh, camp. And uh, I've got to come back and go to Las Vegas next week. And then uh, I'm planning on going to practice next Wednesday. And I'm gonna, I was going to ask you after the broadcast what time practice was next Wednesday, if you know, on the following Wednesday, because I'm planning on being there. Okay. This, and um, then I'm getting ready, buddy. Then I'm getting ready for camp, and I'll be ready to go. And I'm slim and mean and uh, ready to bite someone's ear off. All right, very cool. Yeah, well, you can go to Fall Camp Central on uscfootball.com. we got the, all the practice times listed. They're subject to change, but you can. anyone wants to check out when practices are, go to our Fall Camp Central page on uscfootball.com. Coach, thanks again. It was always fun, and it's, it's fun as always, and uh, we will talk to you next week. And thank you very much, and let's don't forget to thank Southern California Ticket Service where people can get game tickets to just about any event. All right, thanks to SCTickets.com. Everyone else, back in 30 seconds, talking with Dan Weber. More USC football news. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. 
or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined by uscfootball.com beat writer, Dan Weber. Dan, what's going on? Hey, uh, football, finally. Thank God. As I, I think I said, and I know I'm probably sure everybody else said this, uh, uh, USC doesn't have a whole lot of records left that don't have asterisks by them, but I said <laughs> this is the one, uh, the NCAA record for the longest offseason in the history of college football, USC 2010, no asterisk. There's never been a longer offseason. It's like there's been two years' worth of news and events and happenings and comings and goings and all of the uh, in in six months. It's it's just an amazing all season we just went through. It has ha- absolutely been incredible, and it's hard to believe that the last time USC played a football game was the Emerald Bowl in 2009. So, I mean, it's amazing that there hasn't been any games since then, but there's been so much news, so much to talk about. We've been all over it on USCfootball.com. We've had to cover it. You know, it's not always the most fun things to cover, but we have. We've been all over. You know what? The one thing that I found so fascinating with all this stuff, the difficult stuff, the negative stuff, the whatever, as of last October 31st, going into the Oregon game in Eugene, USC football team was number four in the nation. Going into game eight last year, USC was ranked fourth in the nation with a chance to win the national championship. Think about that. That seems like 100 years ago. That does. <laughs> Can you believe USC yeah. was fourth on yeah. October 31st last year? That been... seems like so long ago. It's like. I mean, obviously, Oregon and Stanford and Arizona came after that. But that just seems like it happened 100 years ago. And even just thinking back to the Ohio State game and all the expectations, and it's been, so, it's, it's been a long offseason. You can't argue with that. But the good thing is, Dan, we have fall camp coming up now. Starting today, uh, the players reported yesterday. They've checked in, had a walkthrough this morning. We're going to be down at practice a little bit later on this afternoon. Today is Wednesday, August 4th, first day at camp. A lot of practice dates scheduled. The media will be down there. I mean, it, I asked Harvey Hyde about this. Anything in particular, Dan, that you're kind of looking for this fall camp? Well, you know, actually, I've got a, a list of 10 things I'm looking for. And uh, I, 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 that'll go up here probably as soon as we get out off the, uh, you know, as soon as we're off the, uh, the podcast and, and, and for people to take a look at before we start this afternoon. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking – I'm looking for a return to the old days, the old ways. I'm looking for a team that's bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, these kids, are just like a, a, just the typical one yesterday talking to Christopher O'Dowd, and he's uh, never been in better shape. He's 310 pounds. He feels great. He's had the reawakening in, from spring ball where they said that you're not allowed to do it the way you were doing it last year anymore, and, and it's sort of a symbol of this whole team. Uh, I think they're they're really confident in the fact that they're bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, they've been doing more, uh, uh, you know, really uh, 
uh, weight work that has has bulked them up and has and, and also made them more explosive. They feel. I don't think there's a kid on this team that doesn't feel like he's in better shape, or he's bigger, or he's stronger, or he's quicker. And I think that's actually going to register on people when they see this team because the USC team wasn't dominant physically uh, last year at all, like we'd been used to. And I think they've gone back to that. And that's, that's the first thing I want to look at. I mean, we may not see it as, as clearly in practice, and that may be just as well. Save it for the 13 Saturdays or, 10, or 12 Saturdays and a Thursday. Uh, but uh, uh, I think we're going to have a team that's going to look more like the ones you remembered so fondly uh, in terms of uh, uh, athleticism and strength and, and just going out and challenging people physically and, uh, and, and trying to take people out of, out of games physically. Uh, we just didn't see that uh, last year uh, like you would have you know, liked to have seen. No, I agree with you, Coach. And I, one of the strength coaches I talked to, one of the assistant strength coaches, I kind of joke around with him a lot. He's like, hey, I think he was a big Chris Carlisle fan, but he really right. likes what Osmus is doing. And he come, he's like, ask the players, what's different? Ask them about it. He kept wanting me to go in there and, and talk to the guys kind of what's different because he could tell that the players liked what was going on. Maybe it's just a change. I don't know. But I think they liked the fact that they were lifting a little bit heavier weights and they were doing some more explosive things. And it's, it is a different kind it. of – I mean, yeah. they love it. They love it. They just all – they want to tell you about it. They want to talk about it. They just – and it was a case of things just kind of drifted. It was like Chris O'Dowd talking about, you know, he led the team in spring the first week in loafs. And they, you know, Craig and, and Lane called him over and said, look, here, here you are in film and what's going on here? And he said, I've just gotten in really bad habits. That's kind of how we've been doing things. And uh, he, it all, you know, like the light bulb went off and he's a different kid now. He, I'm, I'm so impressed with him. I, I'm, I'm, he, I mean, he just, it hit him, you know, whoa, look at, I've been coasting. I've been you know, I'm not as strong as I need to be. I'm not, you know, and he's just, uh, I think he kind of symbolizes his team. But then I think so does Matt Barkley in the way he's shaped up and the, his confidence level and uh, his ability to do. I mean, I think, for example, he was a true freshman, so you couldn't do some things with him, but you also couldn't do some things because of his, uh, he was probably, you know, overweight and underconditioned and not as strong as he needed to be. And, uh, I think that's not the case anymore either. And uh, uh, I think that'll be the first thing that, that maybe will be apparent, that this will be a team that uh, that can out-athlete people. I mean, I think, you know, you looked at the Stanford game and the, uh, and the Oregon game, and, and USC got out-athleted. And uh, that's not the way it probably should be if you looked at how the recruiting has gone over the last however many years. You see USC shouldn't be out-athleted by anybody. And uh, I think that that returns this year. And I think the players just really like the way um, like the way they look and feel and, uh, and uh, you know about themselves physically. I think they're just they're really excited about that part of it. And it's been a kind of quiet thing, uh, and everybody had so much respect for Chris Carlisle and all that. But uh, there's just something about that aspect of this team that comes through. And, and like you know, your guy told you. Talk to the players. They want to talk about it. They they want to tell you how much uh, 
better they uh, feel and how much stronger they are. Yeah, it's it's apparent. So we'll we'll be able to see that at fall camp a little bit. Now, one of the concerns, uh, Dan, is depth, obviously, on this team. Do you think they're going to change practice at all? Will there be less ones versus one scrimmage situations where they could risk injury? Do you think they're going to have to try to protect some of these players a little bit? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I think I think Lane's already told them. Uh, from what I've heard, he's already said there won't be any more competition Tuesdays. I don't think that's not that they're really by the end of of, of you know Coach Carroll's uh, years. There really wasn't very much of that anyway. That that competition Tuesday part of it, that's for sure. Uh, but I just think it'll look more like an NFL practice uh, uh, where you're finishing things, where you're uh, you know preparing for Saturday but you're not leaving anything or anybody on the field um, on, uh, uh, you know, on, uh, at practice. I, I think uh, it'll be an interesting, it'd be interesting to see how this works. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons that um, you like what you've seen in the summer. They're doing more stuff in the summer, for example, in the throwing sessions that look like regular practices, even though it's all the players. It just looks like, they understand more what they want to do and how they're trying to do it. You see more players coaching players, uh, older players coaching younger players and things like that. I mean, I think there are shortcuts and ways to do this that, uh, that maybe be beneficial in the long run. I, I don't think USC competed in practice at the same level that they had in, in, in previous years uh, uh, recently. I mean, the, the team two years ago, you didn't need to compete. Everybody knew who the, you know, who was going to play and who wasn't going to play, and that wasn't a bad thing. Uh, and those guys kind of practiced like an NFL team. I think this team's going to practice like more like an NFL team, uh, uh, where you're finishing your, you, because you have fewer players, you don't have uh, as many guys as you have to get in the rotation. So you're going to be, benefit. You don't have to run as many plays in practice, for example, to get more reps for the guys who are going to play. So the guys who are going to play, I think, on Saturday are going to get more reps. The practices just aren't going to be as long and as demanding uh, other than on, their, on the play that they run. Um, uh, and I like it, for example, the little disciplinary thing they do with, you know, if you get a penalty, jump off sides, uh, uh, fumble the ball or whatever, and you got to run laps. Are you going to run a lap? What that does is it takes you out of three or four plays. And that's the thing that penalizes those guys. And then you could tell they hated missing the plays, not running the lap, but missing the plays. So I think with the fewer plays, I think it actually could work uh, to your benefit because you have to make those plays good. You're not going to get, you know, 20 more plays. Uh, maybe in a normal practice. So the plays you run, you're going to have to really run them well. I like that. I think I think they can turn what some people think is a negative into a positive. Uh, and I think this coaching staff, with seven of the ten guys from the NFL, I mean it's uh, it's odd. Last year the criticism was we had too many NFL coaches. This year we've got NFL coaches, and that looks like it's a positive. I agree with that, but I know people could say, well, wait a minute. Last year you said. NFL coaches, that wasn't a good thing. It, as it turned out, it wasn't. Uh, the players just seem, when you talk to every player, I swear, I, don't, I have not talked to one yet who hasn't said they're on the absolutely same wavelength with these coaches. Uh, 
I didn't get that feeling at all last year. I didn't think they were on the same wavelength yeah. in any way. Well, this staff, this the, year, the staff has NFL experience, but also more college experience. Though last yeah, year there was NFL guys. With, it's interesting. It's like they know how to coach college kids as if they were NFL players. They know they're dealing with college kids, but they kids like it that they're being coached like they're NFL players. It's it, it's a it's a very fine line as to how you exactly do that. But I know this, that the players really think, and I think one of the things you noticed was there was a lot more explanation uh, between plays, a lot more consultation, a lot more visualization, a lot more uh, showing defensive backs exactly what kind of an angle in order to have the kind of field of vision that they needed in order to not be too close, for example, in order to... What, you know, all of those little things where you'd see Monty Kiffin with his arm on a kid's shoulder or Willie Mack, you know, just explaining, you know, just a, you know, we want you just here, not here, and it's not much. All, all the things that you looked at Taylor Mays over four years and you said, what the heck, why is he there? You know, why did he overrun that player? Why did he get a late break? on? You know, you see them addressing that, and they address it almost, uh, from before they got started on the field in the spring. And uh, it, it does seem to be paying off. I know it sounds awfully positive, but all we can go by is, is kind of what we're seeing, and what we're seeing looks pretty positive. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you could argue that's more of a college style, where there wasn't, if a, a play screwed up, there weren't coaches looking down at clipboards moving to the next play. In the spring, when someone screwed up on a play, things stopped. Uh, instruction was given, and that's not really how they do it in the NFL. I mean, that's more of a college thing. So I think no, there's the kids, it's a good mix. I think what the kids think is they're being taught NFL schemes and NFL approach, even though they're breaking it down for them and making sure that they understand the concepts. I think it's an interesting blending of coaching them as if they're in, in the NFL, but coaching them in a college way. It's I just I I mean you know having been a coach, watching these guys coach is a is a pleasure. I mean I really really like the way these guys coach. Just being around yesterday, for example, and watching them, you know, coming and going from meetings and and how upbeat they were. I, I mean I they they really seem to like one another. They like working together. Uh, it's obvious that. They don't, you know, there's not a problem if there's two or three or four coaches working on the same, uh, you know, the same drills or the same, uh, you know, seven on sevens or whatever. They really seem to, to understand what they're trying to do, how they're trying to do it. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody, you know, on defense, for example, loves working with, you know, Monty, loves working with Ed and Barry and Willie. I mean, I, I, the coaching staff, I mean, Lane really <laughs> – deserves some credit. I, I mean, what a – the coaching staff, I, I don't know that you could have done a better job. Uh, I mean, I know people were uh, were saying uh, at the beginning there, they said, well, well, you know what, I'm not sure about, like, Coach Craig, the offensive line coach. And then you look at Sporting News, uh, uh, college football magazine, and they list him as one of the top five assistant coaches in America. You know, I mean, they're the only one who's not a coordinator. I mean, it's just – I, I, I'm, I'm so impressed with their coaching staff and you can't, and that was the thing I remember last year in covering both the games at the Rose Bowl. 
and how impressed you were when you got to meet him and talk to him and see him operate with all four coaching staffs, with Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, uh, uh, uh Texas, that how many guys, veteran, top quality guys who really did a good job. And you realize, you know, whatever you think of Nick Saban, he's put together a marvelous coaching staff at Alabama, for example. And you can't win at the top level in college football without an absolutely great coaching staff. I mean, it's, it's the difference. And I think they're, they're back there now. All right. Well, it should be fun. Found out. I think you, you can't do it all by yourself. No. And I think it got to the point last year where maybe he was, uh, and uh, that just doesn't work. No. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, Dan. We're going to have to check out what goes on in fall camp. We got a couple of questions we want to get to, if okay. that's okay. Sure. Um, Last week, Donald in Florida wanted to know about the numbers fifty-five and number one, and kind of had a follow-up. I guess we didn't answer really what he was looking for, but. Uh, he wanted to know, you know, number 55, number one, there's a lot of history with those numbers. If there was any guys on the team, uh, players coming in or guys on a team that would take those numbers. And, Dan, my first thoughts, I mean, obviously, Flournoy and Bryant, uh, TJ Bryant and Devon Flournoy had number one. I think they have a chance to earn that number back. I think those would be the only two guys that would get number one right now. And uh, the other one that came to mind for 55, the only one on the team, would probably be Devon Kennard. He's a younger guy now playing middle linebacker, that might be a good switch for him. Not sure if any of the, if Kennard wants that or if Flournoy and Bryant want those numbers back, but those are the guys that came to mind for me. Anyone else that you can think of that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think the reason I would agree with you on that is because if you gave it back to those two kids, it would mean they earned it. And yet it wouldn't be the kind of thing where some other player said, Oh, I really want that number. I mean, you read about the guys in the, uh, you know, Major League Baseball or the NFL who are paying thousands of dollars to somebody else to get their number back and all that. And it's just, it almost has a me first quality about it that I don't think is ideal in football. I would rather not have the emphasis on that. But the other thing would be is if you wanted to give it to Kennard, he's, you know, wearing 42 now to give him a true linebacker number and say, hey, you earned it, come on here, take it, uh, that would be okay. I think that would be fine. I think that's a good reason just to give a kid a number in the 50s because you're now, you know, all, you know, you're all the way a linebacker. But I would like it to originate not with the players and not to be a focus, just to be like a surprise reward or something, you know, and say, here you go, you guys, nice job, you earned uh, – you earned your numbers back, but to not make it obviously like, oh, number one, he's he's the guy we expect, because obviously whoever has number one this year probably won't be uh, the number one receiver or the star or whatever. And I think going away from that, you know, star focus might be just as good a thing with this team and make it all about the team. But if 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 you could give it back to two kids who earned it back because they really did produce, not because they were the stars, but because they played hard every day and they did everything they could possibly do, that would be probably a good thing. Uh, and the same with Kennard. If you just said, hey, we want you to have a linebacker number. Here's one we got available. What do you think? And that's how I would do it. So, uh, but I, wouldn't, I agree with you. I wouldn't go anywhere else with those numbers. 
at all. Okay. That's how, that's, that's how I would do it. It's about, it's a team game. I mean, it's the ultimate team game, I think. And, uh, you need everybody to play well. And I would probably, you know, go away from the focus on one or two, three guys who's going to be the next 55 or whatever. Don't push that too hard. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Donald, for that one. And last question, Dan. This is Lawrence. He's in Texas, and he listens to the podcast every week and gives everyone around there hell because he's a big USC fan. So thank you for listening, Lawrence. Good for uh, him. Okay. Yeah. Um, he wanted to talk about recruiting a little bit, just in general. He wanted to know if it would be a, a make-or-break season for USC in recruiting. And, and with Lane Kiffin's already done, um, do you think he gets enough credit right now? I mean, he hasn't won any games yet for USC, but just what he's been able to do, do in the offseason. I think we've talked about that before, but kind of get your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Lane uh, – uh, and I do think at least you got to see some of that filtering out from Pac-10 Media Day where people who hadn't been close to – you know, hadn't been around Lane a lot and had read all these just ridiculously over-the-top uh, – screeds of people who don't know Lane either who, who made him sound like he's the worst guy in the world and uh, like a Rick Riley I happen to be sitting next to Rick Riley or even TJ Cybers uh, at the LA Times are like you know he's not a bad guy you know pretty good you know and, and I think there is that I think and the good thing for Lane is he's in a position now that all he has to do is go out and coach and he's up against it and if he does the job that, you know, that they could do this year, I think he can, you know, flip that whole uh, way of people looking at him, uh, uh, turn it on its head. And uh, so, to be honest, I think he's actually in a good position at this point uh, as, as far as that, that goes. As far as the recruiting, you know, I think what makes it so interesting is they've added the twist of because, the early, because they only had 15 uh, signees uh, this year, and the early entries for next year don't count against uh, next year, but count against uh, you know this year, which gives you that chance to go to 25, count early entries. Uh, it adds a twist to recruiting that probably nobody's ever had you know had to deal with, where which is you could get up to a double figure early entry uh, group if you could possibly find them and they can help you. And I think that's where the virtuosity of, you know, I mean, he's basically you have Lane Kiffin, who's a virtuoso recruiter, and you've got Ed Orgeron, who's a virtuoso. I mean, you've got, you know, you can't go past the top five in the nation without those two. And it'll be interesting to see how they put this together, how they put the team together, how they, uh, you know, get away from what we've had as we've had probably too many recruits, um, too many wide receiver and, and running back recruits. I don't think there's any question when you look at the numbers, uh, how they balance that out, how they, I think that more than anything, the balance, the ability to fit slots, the ability to come up with those uh, early entry kids and, and things like that, the ability to basically stay away from any kind of trouble, stay away from anybody who might cause you, uh, uh, cause the NCAA to take another look at you? Might be a, a guy whose uh, dad wants to be the star. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you can't take those chances, and yet you've got to be out there with every, you know, you really got to not miss anything either. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think, and the very fact 
that USC has had to, over the summer, re-recruit many of their players. So you're not only having to deal with the whole early entry and the limitations, you've had to deal with, I mean, honestly, somebody asked me the other day, what if 30 players would have, recru- uh, would have walked out or uh, transferred? What would, would the NCAA, you know, said, well, I guess you got to play with, you know, just your freshmen and sophomores? I think that was the idea, maybe. So, uh, uh, I mean, I think the challenges have been way more than even we can guess uh, at keeping this all together for Lane. I mean, I, I don't think he's gotten enough credit because I don't think people have any idea what all has been going on behind the scenes. And to get them to this point in this shape that they're in, uh, in every way, and I mean psychologically and as a team and and all of that, and, and, and not losing a player that they really counted on at all is kind of amazing. Uh, and, and I think he will get credit if, uh, if it plays out the way it could, uh, because he, you know, that's all I've, because when I read all the negative stuff and I think, here's all I know, all I know is what I see them doing. And if you're up close in, in evaluating it, you think, man, they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, could you do a better job? I'm not sure. I, 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 just to just to keep, you know, and, and and whether it was his own his own doing or not, just to have Miss Mustaine. I mean, I was asking Barkley this the other day. I said, do you know what your shelf life would have been if Miss Mustaine would have left, and you were essentially the only quarterback in the program? Yeah, would have been. You know. <laughs> Where you? He said. He started shaking his head. I said, "Do you know how how long you would probably survive if they knew there's nobody behind?" He said, "Just having Mitch here. I mean, you talk to Barkley now. He can't say enough good things about him and you know a Mitch Mustaine still in the program. I mean, you think Mitch couldn't have gone other places? I mean, come on. Uh, and yet here he is." That's amazing in a lot of ways. It says a lot of good things, you know, not only about the staff and the program and how they've handled him, but about USC, I think, as a school. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing when you think about it. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, thank you very much for uh, your time on the podcast this week. It's always fun talking to you. Next week we can talk a little bit more about what happened in the first week of fall camp, but we'll, uh, and we'll say the same thing. I can't wait for the first game to get, yeah, no, then we wait for that. We're going to be saying, well, we need some football. Yeah. Cool. Well, Come thanks. On, kick it off. Sweet. Thanks again, Dan. And we'll uh, talk All to right. you next week. Everyone else back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk with Brian Fisher more about the USC football team. You are listening to the Peristyle podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to our third and final segment on the Peristyle Podcast. We are talking with Brian Fisher from uscfootball.com. 
get his thoughts on what's going on with fall camp starting today. Brian, are you excited for some football? I am excited for some football, and I am excited that our, our long national nightmare of A-Rod hitting number 600 is over. <laughs> I'm so excited. Did that happen today or something, or what happened? Is it yesterday? Uh, it was early Wednesday morning, I guess, on the West Coast. But, uh, you know, now all we have to deal with is, is Brett Favre. So I, I think we, we knocked one thing down. Let's move on to football, and hopefully this Brett Favre thing can can slowly erase out of our, our uh, conscious a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's <laughs> just adding to the offseason, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, there's so much going on this offseason. We talked about that in the last couple of segments. But uh, now we get to talk about real football. Fall camp is starting. We got some questions to get to in a second, but I wanted to maybe first get your thoughts on a particular unit. I think when I when I've done radio shows, and I think I'm sure you've done the same things. People a lot of times ask like, "What's the strongest unit or the weakest unit?" And maybe kind of get your thoughts on that. Where you know what unit maybe you're looking forward to seeing the most? Maybe because of questions, maybe because of talent, anything like that. What What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I think when you look at this team, uh, when you take the starting twenty two, and, and you know. Uh, maybe leave out the kickers just because we ha- we haven't seen anything from them uh, during the spring. You know, it's a very strong starting group, and it- it's once you go past that where where you have those depth issues that uh, just about everybody talks about. Um, you know, you look along the offensive line; that's a very good offensive line, um, very versatile. Uh, some good experience along the offensive line, uh, notably Chris O'Dowd, who's a you know Remington Award. Uh, on the watch list for that award. So there's a lot of good starting experience uh, around the team. And, uh, you know, the the thing that USC is going to have to manage, and, you know, Lane Kiffin said he's going to change practice uh, to be more NFL-like and try to keep uh, guys from getting injured. Um, You know, that's really the only concern about this team. Uh, They have the talent to be a top-five team in the nation. It's just can they stay healthy and, and can uh, some of these units like the wide receivers where they get a lot of young guys, um, you know, can they make a contribution and really contribute this year? And then that's how it's that's going to carry them, uh, you know, when the, when they get into that middle middle part of the schedule and, and uh, start playing some real tough teams in the Pac-10. That's where you're going to look at, you know, can, is the linebacking core healthy and, and can that fourth guy, whether it be Chris Gallipo or Devon Kennard, can they come in and, and make an impact maybe on third down or whatnot? Um, you know, will that D-line be able to stay healthy and, and make an impact, uh, you know, like they started to do last year? And, and how will that coaching uh, by Ed Odron, you know, affect them during the season? Just a lot of, lot of interesting questions kind of swirling around when you're talking about each unit. And, and it's going to be fascinating to watch during the spring. A, can these guys stay healthy? And, and B, uh, maybe there's a surprise or two in terms of depth that maybe we haven't considered. You know, Dejon Harris along the defensive line was kind of a surprise in the spring. Uh, maybe there's another guy like that that just kind of steps up here in fall camp or, or moving into the season that we didn't really expect and, and provides that added boost. So certainly an interesting, uh, interesting fall camp as we move into the season. And each unit, I think, is, is very different in terms of, uh, you know, who you consider strong and who you consider weak. That's some good points there. And with uh, Lane trying to run more NFL-style practices, we talked about this with uh, Dan Weber in the last segment a little bit. Uh, the depth is an issue there, so that maybe you don't want to have the ones versus ones, and we'll see probably less of that, probably less competition Tuesday. I think Dan mentioned that. But if you want to do more service team stuff, that could even be a problem because 
are there going to be enough offensive linemen to run full service teams and things like that? So there's there's even if you want to kind of cut back on that, there are still issues with depth that this team's going to have to address, either through recruiting or getting some preferred walk-ons or whatever they can do to get guys in the program. Yeah, you just need some bodies really, you know, to kind of come out there and uh you know, it could be a good thing for uh, a few few guys because Hey, Jesse Scroggins is going to have to get a lot of reps over at uh, quarterback in, in the scout team. And, and you know, uh, the, the young receivers are going to have to learn uh, to practice hard every down on that scout team. So it could end up benef- benefiting them uh, because you've got so many guys that are going to have to, you know, go 100% every snap just so they can uh, uh, give a good look to the, to the starting 22 that, you know, it could end up helping them depth wise. And like I said before, maybe that some guy emerges out of, uh, you know, a jumbled group of guys that that goes really hard on scout team gets them more of a look when the team goes through their their team drills and uh impresses people it's it certainly um you know it's it just so many questions about this team that we don't know from the coaching staff down onto the players but the, the ingredients are there to to make something special and um you know however it comes out uh, you know, it's going to be the, the thrill in the journey, I guess, is, is going to be the big thing this year. And, and seeing how everybody kind of molds together and, um, you know, if, if, they, if they can stay healthy. Because, you know, they're going to have to get a few guys that, that are just out there uh, to take up some reps here and there. And hopefully it doesn't hurt them too much uh, by giving up a big play or something like that. All right. Well, let's get to a couple of questions, Brian. And uh, a lot of recruiting questions this week. There was you know, people kind of talking about that. We gave we gave Gerard Martinez the uh, the week off with fall camp start. We want to talk more about that. But you know, recruiting now is is becoming even more important for USC because of the limitations. And we talked about depth and all of that. But um, Sam wanted to talk about uh, priorities, and he has offensive line, linebackers, and defensive lines as a the main priority for recruiting. Uh, looking over the depth chart, and if you check out our uh, our scholarship distribution chart, you can kind of see where guys are looking. And, uh, you know, there's some guys that have transferred. Trayvon Patterson's out uh, um, for at wide, you know, and at wide receiver. Jordan Cameron, David Osbury, Ronald Johnson are all going to be graduating. Uh, you know, Brandon Carswell talked about transferring, but he's staying in there. He's a junior, but he, there's a possibility he could transfer. USC has one commitment, Victor Blackwell. What do you think about USC and the receiver situation going forward, how many guys are getting any kind of potential targets you see? Well, you know, I think anytime you talk about recruiting, you, you do have to kind of cast your net out, you know, very wide. And I think a lot of people kind of question how many offers went out to wide receivers considering, you know, the group they just brought in and, you know, the group coming in uh, as good a class, I think, as in, you know, wide receiver group as a re- whole recruiting um, year, I think it's a very strong group. So, you know, you want to cast that net out wide and just kind of see how many guys are interested. And, you know, obviously they get, they got a good, uh, you know, commit in Victor Blackwell. I, I think he could add to, you know, the team, uh, give him a redshirt year, get him used to the system. I think he can, can be an, uh, a very solid wide receiver and a good target for any of the quarterbacks to come. And, um, you know, I think all the talk always turns to George Farmer when you, whenever you talk about wide receivers. I'm not 100% sold that it's a, you know, it's a signed, sealed, and delivered deal for USC uh, in terms of George Farmer. Um, he, you know, he's certainly an impressive talent, um, but the coaching staff is definitely going to have to work on, on making sure that they stay on him and, you know, making sure that Florida or Alabama or, or other schools don't, don't get in his ear and, and uh, you know, try to steal him away. 
but uh, I, I would expect maybe maybe trying to bring in three guys um, in terms of the wide receiving core because you are going to have uh, you know a Ronald Johnson is going to be gone, David Osbury is going to be gone. Uh, you know, Carswell will be a senior next year. You've already lost Trayvon Patterson, so there's a lot of opportunities to come in the next couple of years uh, in terms of a receiver playing. That I, I think it, if you can get three good, solid guys um, coming in for the, the class of 2011, I, I think that's what USC is looking to do, and I think that would be, you know, depth-wise, the, the best thing for them because you know, if you are a Victor Blackwell, you can come in, you can play special teams as well. Um, you know, you got a guy like DeAnthony Arnett, speedy guy. Maybe he returns kicks like Ronald Johnson did um, when he was younger. So those guys can contribute in other ways um, when they're younger. And if you can get three solid guys, I think that's the way to go when you're talking about 2011. Uh, one of the biggest challenges for Lane Kiffin could be the three guys they got coming in from 2010 because Kyle Prater looked amazing in the spring. And so far, Robert Woods and Mark Ethan Ambles have both shown flashes of brilliance in the summer. Now that's with shorts and uh, t-shirts on and stuff. So we'll have to see what they do in the fall and obviously in the season. But if all three of those guys end up playing a big part of this offense, which I think will be hard to do, but I mean, if they're, if they show the kind of skills that we've been seeing this summer, that might discourage some of the, the receivers out there from wanting to come to USC because you got three true freshmen that are playing so well. Well, I think that that's always been an issue for USC, and you you know you hear so often schools recruiting against USC using their depth chart and like, oh, you're never going to play. But uh, I think the coaching staff really does a good job of saying, hey, you know, you're you're coming here to compete against the best, and if you succeed here and you beat out of this other top flight competition, you know, you're going to be prepared for the next level. And I think that resonates a lot with a lot of kids. Um, you know, coming in, beating the best, playing with the best, you know, you're going to have always have a good quarterback at USC. Uh, I don't think it's a huge issue, but, you know, it certainly can weigh in the minds of certain guys who maybe aren't as confident in their skills uh, translating to the next level as you might think. But, uh, you know, you got to understand maybe Kyle Prater is the next Mike Williams. Maybe he's gone after, you know, in two years. Uh, you know, you got to think of it at, that way as well to where there can be open spots in the depth chart. And as many plays as wide receivers run, um, you know, you, you can't be out there for, for 85, 90 plays uh, in a typical game. You, you know, you got to come out, you got to rest. A lot of guys play on special teams as well, you know, especially with the depth chart issues as we've been talking about. I, I think there's still an opportunity to come in and play, and, and the coaches can kind of pitch it that way, I guess, in that, yeah, we got three really good you know, five-star wide receivers right now, but you, know, you can still beat them and, and you can still in, come in and play a lot. All right. Well, thank you for that question, Sam. Last one, Brian, is a question from Kevin. He says, USC under Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator used a two-back system of power and speed with Lendell White and Reggie Bush. This system changed with the tailback by committee after both Bush, White, and Kiffin left USC. Will USC recruit both speed and power running backs this year since Bradford and Gable will be leaving and DeAnthony Thomas might end up playing cornerback. Any potential running back targets? Just kind of get your thoughts on the whole future of running back recruiting at USC. Yeah, I think you're you know you're going to see USC go after any running back that really kind of fits either mold. And, and there could be combo backs, there could be speed backs. I think it's you know the coaching staff is trying to identify you know players that can make an impact at the running back position. Now, if you get 
a bunch of speed backs, well, then you just got to change your offense to suit the players that you get coming in. Um, yeah, they're still going to go after the you know the big backs, you know the James Wild Jr. or the or the Rodney Coes, uh, you know those big bruising type backs. They're, they're still going to go after them and they're still going to recruit them hard. Now, whether they land them or or maybe they whiff a few times on on, on getting a big back, you know, you just got to adjust with your personnel. And, and I think. Lane Kiffin, uh, being a kind of a very savvy offensive coordinator, coordinator, he can adjust to the personnel that that he has on his roster and that he brings in. Um, you know, certainly every team wants to have a, a big guy that can, that can pound it in at the goal line. But you got to remember, Mark Tyler could be that guy uh, next year. You know, he's displayed a lot of good flashes in the time that he's he's been in there, and, and he's displayed some speed as well. And he could be a guy that can kind of fill that role, although he's not as big as, as Alan Bradford. You know, maybe next year he's kind of the quote-unquote power back. Um, but when you when you talk about recruiting, I think it's just USC going after whoever they can get and, and the best players in the nation at the running back position. And they'll, they'll change to it and adjust their offense, um, you know, however you want. And and you've seen teams that that have kind of gone either direction. You know, you got you got Alabama with a, you know, two-headed – running back attack with Mark Ingram and uh, Richardson. And, you know, they kind of have a, a similar power and speed type dynamic, but, you know, more towards the power end. And, you know, you can go the other way with Florida, who, who smaller running backs, very fast, speedy scat back types, and they've been very successful. So I think either way, you just got to adjust to the personnel that you bring in. And certainly USC will, will be trying to get the, those big, bruising type running back so they can pound in on the goal line but you know it's not a not a requirement for any team to have you know one big back or anything like that it's just you know you got to recruit you know the athletes that you think will, will best help your team and you know maybe it's a bunch of speed backs this upcoming year uh and maybe it's just a, bu- a power back and you also got to keep in mind you know when alan bradford came came to usc he was a safety so uh, you know you can keep that in mind as well. Guys can come in at a different position and, and maybe flip sides into offense and, and end up filling that role as the you know big power back at running back. It's a, and it's a good point that comes up here, Brian, from all this that you know we talked about the you know recruiting the three wide receivers from last year, and I think USC has been fortunate where they could just kind of go after the best players around. This is now in a situation where if they have a chance to get three five-star receivers, they might have to turn one down because they need another offensive lineman. I think that that's one of the things we haven't really talked about too much. And if there's two great speed running backs, maybe they have to pick between one or the two of them just because of the situations on the depth chart. So they, they need to address other needs, and they can't spend as many scholarships in one area, even if they're two amazing players. If they play the same position and the coaches feel they can't move around, they might have to leave a guy out. I mean, have you, do you see a scenario like that possibly happening? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely that possibility. But then again, you gotta you gotta question. You know, how many offensive linemen can they get in 2011? You know, how many guys do they really like? Yeah, you need bodies to kind of fill it. But at the same time, you don't want to lower your standards terribly. Uh, you know, to fill. You know, you, the coaching staff has to manage that depth versus talent issue and it's going to be really the the biggest challenge to Lane Kiffin and the recruiting coordinator at Orgeron uh, that they're going to have the next three years because they are going to have that feel that that crunch um, when it comes down to February but uh, you know like I was saying you you never really know uh, who's committed until they signed on the dotted line so uh, you know it might be a case where they're they're going after a couple guys really hard and they, they you know they get a surprise commitment on signing day that they 
you know, were hoping for but didn't really expect. Um, so, so you kind of never know when you're talking about numbers. But, um, you know, if, if they can get a guy solidly committed and they know he's going to stick with the commitment, yeah, maybe you will drop a, the other five-star receiver so you can concentrate on an offensive lineman. But uh, scholarship math, I, I don't envy the coaches when it comes to recruiting and the scholarships and who gets one uh, the next couple of years because you just can't miss on anybody. And, and especially with their depth issues, they got to manage it real well. Wow, yeah. Can you imagine like a Vontez Perfect or a Manti Teo, guys that you think will be coming in that don't sign yeah. on sign day? Wow, that would be devastating with only 15 rides. Yeah, and, you know, especially when you're talking about the offensive and defensive linemen, um, where it's just so difficult to project those two two kind of groups. Uh, you know, if you miss on, a, on an offensive tackle, man, that, that can just set you back so much because, you know, not only are you thin right now, but – you know, you're going to have to eventually play him a little bit and, you know, kind of hide his weakness. It, it's a, you know, it takes a recruiting challenge and it turns it into a, you know, an on the field challenge when you're talking about coaching, um, you know, trying to hide a weakness of a player or something like that um, when you do end up missing. And it's just, you know, this is this staff, if they can get through it and, and, and still maintain a, you know, a top 15 team, uh, you know, my hat's off to because it's going to be difficult the next three years when they're talking about recruiting. All right. Well, Brian, hey, man, it was good stuff. Talk about the team, talk about recruiting next week. We can talk to you about the actual what went down on the practice field and what we witnessed out there. But thanks again for joining us. No problem. I'm excited to finally see some football and, and see the, hear, hear the pads clanking together. And it's, uh, uh, August is uh, my favorite time of the month because, you know, football's back. Yes, very much so. All right, everyone else, thank you very much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Tune in next week. We'll talk about first week of USC fall camp. We will talk to you then. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.